first service, I felt like that was a little confusing as he got up. It's like, all right, here's Jeff. And it's like, no, it's me. So you're stuck with, with me. I'm the student ministry pastor here. And uh, gosh, I'm so excited with all the ways that God is moving in our community. And this is just one testimony. The new members up here that are saying yes to Jesus, that are diving into committing to what God's doing here at Marine Covenant Church. Gosh, that is just one thing that's happening here that is so, so good. And we're in this series that we're all excited about because we get to talk about the things that are so, so good about following Jesus and sharing Jesus uh, with the world. And last uh, week, Jeff talked about, gosh, we get to share our story with others. And that's so, so good. The testimony of your life and, and intertwining with Christ and how he's changed your life. Gosh, that's so good to share. And this week I get the pleasure of um, what's also so good is we get to share our community. We get to share this community that God has brought together. We get to share that with Marin County and the world. And, and as the student ministry pastor, I'm always blown away by Wednesday nights, our youth ministry program that meets here every Wednesday. And uh, I am blown away by all that God's doing. And, and specifically by how many students keep showing up that are not connected to the church at all. They have no connection, little connection, maybe a past connection, but they are showing up. And a lot of times it's their friends. Their friends are bringing them. And I, I'm just, I feel like I should have more faith as a pastor to be like, of course God would bring people. And of course our students would bring their friends. But I'm jaw dropping all every Wednesday going, how did you end up here? Like, it's amazing. And I think that what's really sweet is I think why friends are showing up is there's one key element is our students think that this community is so good that they have to share it with their friends. They have to invite their friends. They have to, to tell others about it because they're experiencing something so good and so new that they just can't keep it to themselves. They have to, to invite their friends. It's just, it's flowing out of them. And I've, we have so many students that have invited friends, but there's a few that have really stood out to me of who have just invited so many friends. And some of them, it, it feels like it would be a little unexpected that, oh, you invited all the friends, wow. Um, it's, a, it's amazing, so we have Liam McKechnie is one of our um, now seniors, and I love Liam because he uh, had to, oh, it's his birthday today, nice, happy birthday, Liam. Uh, he, freshman year, was told, you have to go to youth group. And so he started going, and uh, then he started inviting friends more and more. Uh, and what I love about the friends that he invited is they have a very unique um, grouping look, and a lot of our students go, those are the skater boys. So Liam has, Nico's laughing because he knows, that he has invited all of these guys who love to skate. They're very adventurous, risk-taking, um, but they have very unique look, but they are showing up. And it's actually incredible because many of them keep showing up and they love to be at youth group. And it's, I asked Liam, I was like, how, how do you invite all these friends? And he goes, well, some of them, I just, it's Wednesday, I call him up and I say, you need to be at youth group tonight. You need this. And so he goes and his mom and him and they pick up his friends and they show up at youth group. And what I love is one of the friends that came, the dad walked inside and was like, hey, I just want to know what you guys do here because my son doesn't really like 
to come to a lot of things, but he keeps wanting to come to this. And I was like, I don't know, you can check it out. And so he, he was like just curious as to what is different about what's happening here. And so Liam, he just, he, he invites his friends and he's not afraid to be like, gosh, this is, I think you need this. Another student is Hannah Toms. And her small group used to be like two or three students of girls. And over this last year, it has exploded because Hannah keeps inviting her friends. She keeps inviting her friends because it's so good. This community is so worth it that she goes, gosh, I want my friends to experience this too. And so she boldly invites them to church. And what I love is she doesn't just invite them to Wednesday. She also invites them to Sunday. And they've been starting to come to Sunday church as well. And then the last example I have is one of... um, the, the people that were standing up here, Katie Hamlin, uh, you saw with her kids, is a couple years ago, Katie's daughter just started in sixth grade and just started going to youth group. And I was at the conference that Ben's at now, and I get a text from Katie going, hey, people keep asking me about what this like Wednesday night group is because they keep hearing about it. And they want to know, gosh, can their kid come? And my favorite is they always go, how do I sign up for it? And I'm like, you don't have to. You get to just come. And Katie then decided, you know what? I'm going to fill my car up every week with middle schoolers. And I'm going to just, whoever wants to come, if I have a seatbelt, they're coming. And so she fills up her car with middle schoolers. And I love because all of these people and more, I have so many stories, they all embrace this posture that this community is too good to keep to themselves. Now, don't get me wrong, it is challenging and it is hard to invite someone from maybe for a student, their school community, or maybe your neighborhood or family, because it could be really easy to make this your secret, safe place. Gosh, this is my place. I get to be me. I don't have to have all that drama or all the issues come into this place. This is where I just get to be me. This is my place. And so I'm just going to show up every week and be a part of that. And with our students, gosh, if they invite their friends, they invite some maybe of the drama that comes along with it. But for them, gosh, it is worth inviting their friends to this new community. It is worth their friends experiencing what they have gotten to experience, which is a new life in Christ, something totally different from this world. And whether and, and what I love is I'll meet with these friends sometimes, Ben and I will meet with them, and we're like, man, why, why do you keep coming back? Why do you keep it coming to this community? And they say almost the same thing in their own words every time is something is different. Something is different I've never experienced anywhere else in my life in this community. And a lot of times they say it's genuine care, it's genuine love, they have experienced peace being among the people that are here, but there's something that is different. And whether they can put it into words yet or not, what they're experiencing that is different is Jesus. A community that is wrapped around Jesus. And that shapes everything that we do as a community. And really, this church community is God's missional plan for the world. It's the plan that God has as God's gathered people together, sharing the love of Christ as they worship together, live together, and pour out together in this world. That's how the good news is spread, is through the church community. And so it's our interactions, the way we live together, the way we interact with others that draws people closer to Christ, where they go, gosh, there is something different. There's something different about that community, and I want to know what it is. And so it creates this curiosity 
in the people around us when we are interacting the way God wants us to. And, and so I want to look, and it, it's so good when we look at, okay, so what are some of the themes of what's different about our community? And I want to look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, when Jesus died and rose again, and then the church was exploding, and the church was growing. And then it, I love how this part sort of sums up some of the things that people were seeing the church doing. And really, they're just living out a life of Christ. But they're, they're living this out. I want to read this, and then I want to talk about some of the themes that are so good that come out of this passage. Um, here's what it says. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Gosh, okay. When I read this passage, I want to talk about three things. Three things that stand out to me that's so, so good and so different about the church community that can be such good news to our world that is looking for this type of community. Here's the first thing, and these are the things that we get to share as we live this out. We get to first share a Christ-centered community, a Christ-centered community. It's what makes us so different from any other community in the world is we are focused and centered on Christ. It says in the passage that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, meeting in the temple courts, and the breaking of bread, which really translated today is they were devoted to reading scripture, learning all they could about Jesus. They were meeting for church. They were worshiping together, gathering, encouraging one another, and they were participating in communion, remembering what Jesus had done for them. That's how we would translate it to what we do today. And this is one of the first responses of the church. And why? Why did they respond in this way? It's because they were cut to the heart with who Jesus was and what he had done. They were cut to the heart by the resurrection of Jesus, the freedom and the love and the forgiveness found in Jesus. And so they wanted to know more about this new life in Jesus. They wanted to center their whole life around Jesus. And I think it's so important for us to start with this unique part of our community because it's the biggest marker of who we are as people. And that is who Jesus is and how that influences then who we are and how we act in this world. We're grounded in the life, the teachings, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're centered on Christ and nothing else should be uh, at the center of who we are. Nothing else should influence then our identity. It should be first Jesus. And honestly, our, I believe our community is completely pointless if we are not centered on Jesus. Why are we here? We are not centered on Jesus. The moment we start centering around political agendas, um, our own personal interests, our own personal moral compasses, then we have missed the heartbeat of what this community is about. We have missed why Jesus has gathered us together. 
It said that they had everything in common, but honestly, they had one thing in common, and that was Jesus. When you read the, the, in Acts 2, they were very different from different backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, from different cultures, different languages. The thing they had in common was Jesus. And what the church has to offer, and why it's so important for us to start here with who we are and what we have to share as a community, is we have to share as Jesus, is that there is new life found in him. It's not based on anything that we have done. It is solely based on who Jesus is. And then us living into that, us looking at Jesus and following him, learning from him. The rest of the world, this is what's interesting, the rest of the world determines our identity by our behavior, where we grew up, what our past looked like. That is how they determine then who you are. But we offer something so different here in the church. We offer our, our identity, no matter our past, no matter where we were born, no matter our background, is found in Jesus. It is centered on that from the beginning. And what I love is you think of like a compass, and a compass has this magnetic force that, that the magnets are pointing towards the poles. And so you use this compass to know what direction you're going in, but the magnet will always point back north. It will always tell you where north is. When we have a new life in Christ, our identity has changed that, man, we are always pointing and chasing after Jesus. We are always wanting to learn more, to grow more, to look to Jesus in all that we do. And that's then gonna shape everything. When our identity is fixed on Jesus, that being we did nothing other than say yes to him, then we are gonna start moving in the direction. We're gonna start acting more and more like Jesus every day. And I'm gonna talk more about um, some of the things we get to live out and do as a community, but I have to just really hone in that it has to start here, is that our identity is, flown out, is, is grown out of this new life in Christ. That is our starting place. And so anybody that we interact with or walk with, we get to offer that to them. We get to offer, gosh, this community is made up of so many people. There's stories upon stories that we could share with you. And that's so, so good. But the best part is we come together because we have this new life in Jesus. We are centered on him in everything that we do, and we don't want to be centered on anything else because then we miss it. We miss what God is doing. And so that means we get to share that with others. Gosh, your past does not give you your identity. Your mistakes, your success, who, where you live, that does not give you your identity. No, it's, it's Jesus. And we get to start in that place with others. That's what we offer. That's what's so good about our community. Nowhere else are we saying, it's none of those other things, but it's Jesus. So let's start there. But when we, we, we fix ourselves on Jesus, just like the compass, we start moving in the direction of Jesus. We want to learn more, grow more. And as we learn and grow more, then there's some things that our community tends to do as we overflow out of that new identity. And we see this in um, the passage here, is we, we get to share this generous community, this overly generous community. And I think what's amazing is when we start following Jesus, we start learning about the things he taught, the love that he has for us, the ways that he's changing our life. Gosh, I know for me, I am just compelled to be more generous. The life of Jesus, the things he's done in my life, I am compelled to have arms open and go, okay, Jesus, 
How can I be generous to this world in a new way so that they can experience your love, your grace, your mercy, your compassion? And the early church, they responded that same way. They had this new life in Christ, and all of a sudden, they interacted with each other so differently. And they had fellowship with one another, and they did a lot of together. They did a lot of together in their homes, a lot of together outside their homes. They were with people constantly. And I love that they were just overly generous. And here's, I want you to understand this. They were eating together, and they were providing for one another. They were worshiping together in all that they did. And here's the thing, their interaction, because you're like, great, we eat together. Like, we have friends over, we, um, we serve, we go down to the Tenderloin and serve. It's like, no, this was their life, and it was so radical of their day. It was so radical of their day, because in the Roman culture, historically with the, where the early church was at, is you would not do this. You would not interact with someone who was not like you. You would only interact with someone of the same socioeconomic uh, background that, or in the same level of the society or the culture, that was all you interacted with. So the fact that there was this group of people from all backgrounds, all socioeconomic, you had people that were high leaders in the, in the culture to those that had no status, you had people that had so much money and people that were, did, couldn't provide for themselves, and they were eating together. That turned heads. That offended people. That offended people because they were like, no, 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 no. You don't do that, you stick with your people. You stick with those that you know, you stick with, with what you know, but this is where the church was starting to turn heads to go, well, what is different about them? Why are they doing this? Why are they eating meals with people they're not supposed to be eating meals? And the life of Jesus, I mean, he was questioned about that all the time. All the time, why are you eating with sinners? Why are you eating with, with people that can't give you anything back, why? And here's what I think is so good is we go, wow, yeah, that was really hard back then to be divided in that way. But gosh, we are still divided in our world. We are still divided. We, we tend to still only want to interact with those who are like us, whether it's socioeconomic or cultural or based on where you live. Like we only want to interact with people that's normal in our world that we are like or have similar interests or that can help us elevate ourselves, that look cool. And it's so interesting because our culture, we still have gated communities, neighborhoods that are based, um, divided by socioeconomic status. You go to the school lunch times and kids are sitting with their group of friends that never change. So this is a normal part of our world and our culture is to stay divided, but the church community is different is it ought to be different if we are looking and growing in our identity in Christ. Because um, here, here's something I, I saw, and I, this has sort of, sort of shaped me and reminded me this is what we're supposed to be with generous. This is the homeless uh, Jesus statue. And the first time I saw it, I was at a retreat center, um, a Christian retreat center. And uh, this statue from afar, I thought it was actually someone sleeping on a bench. Like from really, I know I have a really close image up here, but from really far away, I thought someone was sleeping on the bench. So I went and got closer. And as I got closer, I noticed that it was a statue. And, I, and in the statue, I noticed that it was, there were holes in the feet. And so we have what's supposed to be representing Jesus, but even more representing that, gosh, there are people out there that we're supposed to be overly generous with. And, and the, this statue, 
um, had a plaque on it. And this plaque just struck me so hard when I looked at this image. And it said, it was Matthew 25, 35 through 36. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Here's what's interesting about this statue is this statue is almost always found outside of churches. This statue is because I think it is part of the heartbeat of how the church is supposed to respond to our world. We're not to be divided. We are supposed to have arms wide open and going, okay, Jesus, how can I be overly generous? How can I welcome in the stranger? How can I care for those who are in need? How can I love those who are sick? And how can I see and care for those that are in prison? How can I love the person that's really hard? And, and this is, I think, the posture of the church is to go, gosh, we are supposed to be arms wide open and going, okay, Jesus, we get to be generous to others because we know that you have provided for us, that I have enough and so I can pour out to others. And I was um, down in San Diego at a church, visiting a church, and uh, we went to the border of um, Mexico and California. And I'll never forget what this pastor said, is he looked at us and he said, I want you to remember that there are no borders in heaven. The kingdom of God has no borders. And it struck me so deeply that, man, we should not be people that are putting up boundaries or borders that would not allow people to experience the new life in Christ. We are supposed to be welcoming, moving across any of our divided lines and loving with so much generosity those that are different from us, those that maybe we aren't like. We're supposed to be in community with one another, in fellowship with one another, being overly generous. And we don't do it to get something in return. No, we do it out of this love that we have received from God. And so then we get to then offer that to others. We're compelled by Jesus in our life that, gosh, we just have to be generous to every single person that walks through our doors, that we encounter out in our community. Gosh, we have to be generous. And so generous that moves people to ask, why? Why are you interacting with them? Why are you caring for them? Why do you eat with the people you eat with or gather with the people you gather with? Why do you serve others, love others, care for others? Our church community doesn't get to be this, this um, closed off community that says, gosh, only if you're in, only if you meet these certain requirements. No, we get to be overly generous with how we care for others, with how we welcome others, with providing for others. And even more, I just want to share one more thing, is we get to share a hopeful community. We get to share a hopeful community, and this is so different from anywhere else. Because I love how this passage um, of this new church ends with the people praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The whole mission of the church is sharing the living hope of the good news in our broken world. And we get to do that with so much hope. And I love how theologian N.T. Wright describes this posture of the church. He says, a mission-shaped church must have its mission shaped by hope. 
that the genuine Christian hope rooted in Jesus's resurrection is the hope for God's renewal of all things, for his overcoming of corruption, decay, and death, for his filling of the whole cosmos with his love and grace, his power and glory. To be truly effective in this kind of mission, one must be genuinely and cheerfully rooted in God's renewal. I love that, that we believe that through the resurrection of Jesus, that all things are being made new. All things, are, and we're praising God for all things being made new. And I love how N.T. Wright describes it, that we are genuinely and cheerfully rooted in God's renewal, that he's doing something new. We are just overflowing with hope. We are overflowing and we are sold out that God can, is, and will do something new in our world, in our friends, in our community. That's what we hold. We don't hold with burdens that go, gosh, maybe, maybe God will do something. I don't know, it's too hard. That friend, it feels so impossible, the choices they made. This community feels too hard. No, we get to live with full hope, believing that God can do something new. And we hold that as a whole community. And one of the people that I think just like holds this posture and we get to just uh, embrace it as a church, I hope, is um, a man named Bob Goff. He's the one in this picture has the biggest smile. Um, So you can tell he overflows with hope. Uh, I've had the opportunity um, through Oak and Michelle Smith in our church to go to San Quentin prison uh, with Bob Goff there. And Bob Goff is a lawyer, a writer, a speaker who deeply loves the Lord. And he overflows with this hope like no one I have ever met. Because what I love is from an outside perspective, you go to San Quentin prison and you go, gosh, that feels like a hopeless place. People have made some really terrible choices to get to that place. And so you can easily from an outside go, Well, I I hope God does something good. Like you have that half-hearted, maybe he'll do something. But gosh, when Bob goes to San Quentin prison, he overflows that, man, God is doing something huge. And I love because he doesn't just hold that in his head. He lives it out with how he interacts with every inmate at San Quentin prison. He overflows. He's deeply rooted and cheerful and genuine about, gosh, God is doing something amazing in your life. He, he loves to be able to call out and praise Jesus in the prison and go, gosh, God is amazing, isn't he? And the way that he just looks at every inmate full of hope of what God is doing and will continue to do is incredible. Like it's contagious. That's what it is. It's contagious to go, yeah, there is something new that can happen in my life. There is something that can, can, can happen. And I wonder if, what would it look like for us to actually have this posture where people felt the hope that oozed out of our community, where we actually lived out what we said in worship today, hallelujah, hallelujah, you've done great things, where we believe, gosh, God can enter into any and every story, no matter how hard or challenging. We have full hope that we serve and worship God that is making all things new. He is bringing renewal to everything. And we get to proclaim that to our community. We get to live that out fully, that people are going, gosh, how do you have so much hope? This feels too hard. This feels too challenging. This feels too far gone. Even the impossible. Our world is overly critical, but we get to come in and go, gosh, I want to be overly hopeful. And I love that that Bob Goff, he 
is not, never, and I'm blown away by this, suspicious of anyone he meets at San Quentin. Instead, he is full of hope of what God is doing. And so I wonder if we could offer that to our community that actually lives out the hope of Christ by interacting with people and believing that God can do something in their life. He can do something new. I really find it such a joy um, that we get to share this life-changing community in Marin County and in the world. And we get to allow people to experience something new, something new that maybe they've never experienced before that's so different from anything else in this world. And we get to, by sharing our community, people get to then experience Jesus, being centered on Jesus, how that changes our lives and our identity. They get to experience the generosity of Christ, how we don't get to hold any lines. We get to just be overly generous with what God's doing, and we get to just be people full of hope that God is at work. Our stories today are not over. What God is doing in our world is not done. He's still working. And I'm going to invite the band out. And I love that. It's just through these actions, through the, the church responding in this way, centered on Christ, being generous with those around them, and having just full of hope that it was them living out the good news as a community together that then people were added to their number daily. The Lord was using the church. Remember, the church is God's plan to reach the world. The way we interact with each other and those around us impacts how people then see Jesus. And so we get to be creative with how we think about, gosh, how are we going to share this community? And maybe God's putting on your heart. Maybe it's something where you invite them boldly to church for the first time. Or maybe it's smaller ways of, gosh, going to the men's barbecue or women's bingo or to youth group. Or maybe it's, it's going out and being people that turn heads because of the way that you're serving and interacting and caring for those that are not like you. There's so many ways we get to share our community, but gosh, wouldn't it be incredible to give this good news to the world that is just Christ-centered, generous, and hopeful, to be those people of God. And I love Don's prayer for um, our missionary, that he's, his prayer was, um, at least in first service, was for God to continue to use our community to love Marin and, and the world. Gosh, that's our prayer. We center ourselves on Jesus so that others can experience the good news, that others can be curious to notice, man, there is something different about that community, and I want to know more. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to look to you, that we get to have new life in you, and through that new life, then you change our life. And you change our life. The more we get to know you, the more generous and hopeful we become that you are doing something new, that you care for every person that walks this earth. And you are wanting as the church for us to then to pour out that love and generosity and hopefulness that we have received in our own stories. So may we be a gathered people to together focused on you, Jesus, and loving our world around us so that they may taste and see, Jesus, that you are good. Amen.